Best of the Left podcast with clips today from the Young Turks, Rachel Maddow, Tom Hartman, and Mother Jones Radio. with you. Rock and Roll Jesus is producing. Who Shot Jared Jackson is directing. All right. Uh, there are, is a lot of news today. Uh, the number just, one... I just... Help me out so I'm not... I don't like getting confused. Are you going to be Crockett or Tubbs? Because I'll be either one. I'm totally cool. Just you choose. I, I thought Jill was going to go there, but <laughs> okay, Ben. Et tu, Brute? <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, on the t-shirt with the jacket... That's Miami Vice. Oh wow, I haven't, I haven't even looked at you today. Yeah, is I that, that T-shirt velour? No, it's I think he, sh- he should be. Uh, look, he should be. He should be Tubbs. Tubbs is black. You're swarthy. Yeah, and you're very right Don here. Johnson no, right I'll, now. I'll, and I'll totally, I'll be Crockett. Oh please, <laughs> please, I'm begging. You. Oh go. my God. Let's go, baby, Crockett. Please, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. <laughs> here, turn around. Let me see. Let me see your little outfit. Oh, isn't that snazzy? I don't... Are you gearing up for your big Miami trip? Can I just... Please, please. Let's <laughs> do the news. I, I, I don't know fashion. I've never claimed to know fashion. I, I, I'm annoyed and stressed every time I have to put on any clothes because Dude, I'm going to get crap for it any way you slice it. Jank, you look I'm nice. not good at it. I don't, you know, just... just you look nice. Please, please. Um... First of all, no, we can't start the news. We're talking about this. Uh, and uh, I love Ben. No, but you got to uh, you got to get beyond it. Like it's just because somebody makes the Crockett and Tubbs joke, the standard, and by the way, you know, dependable, reliable. It doesn't mean it's bad. Of course it does. Yeah. It means you dude, can't ever wear it again. Dude, I've worn. No, 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 no. I wear every time I wear a t-shirt with a jacket, and I do it not infrequently in jeans, especially here in L.A. Somebody says, "Hey, Tubbs." Mm-hmm. And and then you realize it's not so bad. It looks all right. It's just a little Miami vice No, it works, though. It's yeah, fine. Works. It doesn't look bad at all. My only concern is that the T-shirt kind of looks like it's velour. My only concern is doesn't that uh, we continue to talk about this topic. Jenk has zero sense of humor today. I, I really Everyone don't. gear up for a very, very serious show, which is okay. Uh, I once in high here, you want to talk about it? Junior high, I wore a white uh, shirt and a white pants. Oh, Jenk. And uh, somebody made the joke, hey, you know, uh, when when are we getting the milk or something about a milkman? And I was done. I was, you know, psychologically devastated as an eighth grader. And, of course, I never wore that outfit again, and I'm not supposed to wear that outfit well, again. Well, yeah, you shouldn't have ever worn that if, outfit uh, again. If this conversation the only thing that would have made that outfit even better is if you had sat in something red. Look, if this conversation devastates you emotionally, then you're neither Crockett nor Tubbs because you're a pussy. No, I'm not devastated by this conversation, but you can't wear it if people keep calling you Crockett and Tubbs. I just don't know. I don't know. No, it's, first of all, it's fine. First of all, Crockett and Tubbs would never wear a black jacket. Their jackets were always sort of pastel colored. There's nothing wrong with it. It's totally fine. What are your pants? They're jeans. jeans. Well, that's fine. Also, fine. back in the day before um, Britney Spears jumped on the scene, I used to wear my shirts really short because mm-hmm. I, I made the excuse about having a long torso and all this, but I just had a flat stomach, and I was proud of it. And so when Britney, when Britney Spears appeared, everyone started calling me Britney because she started to dress like me. And look, it's embarrassing, but whatever. I looked good, so I kept wearing it. 
Yeah, those are the problems. Kind of like you. Those are the problems <laughs> I have, yeah. Uh, all right, by the way, you I can... I don't dress s- like Britney Spears anymore, unfortunately. You can see all of this, of course, on the youngturks.com in case you're wondering what it looks like. And no, the shirt is not velour. All right. <laughs> Sorry, it's crushed velvet. Okay. You're right. I don't I don't know what happened, but uh, maybe I, I listened to nine hours of NSA hearings. That's why I don't have a sense of humor today. But I don't at all. I, I'm dying to talk about the NSA hearings. Go, go, go talk. I, I'm one of those callers who calls in t- today. It's like, we got a lot of important things. I don't need to hear about your outfit. Okay, there's a, look, there's a lot of important things. Today, there's going to be a lot of important things. Tomorrow, it's not going to stop. I got news for you. We still have to find laughter. We're, uh, we're fighting a, uh, a, a war, which we're arguably uh, losing, and we're the United States of America. Therefore, losing. Therefore, every day is going to uh, uh, every day is going to be real. We also didn't do justice to the information that came out at the end of last week about, uh, uh, about uh, Patrick Fitzgerald and, uh, and Dick Cheney and, and Scooter Libby. Uh, now the NSA hearings. Uh, they started this morning. I got up at 6 o'clock in the morning to start listening to them. Hence, you might understand why I'm in a cranky mood. Um, and uh, and then Alberto Gonzalez, for the next nine hours, however long it took, evaded. And in the words of uh, Chuck Schumer later in the hearings, a uh, senator from New York said, Well, and we appreciate your patience. Uh, we understand you must be tired after all this questioning and all the bobbing and weaving you've done, <laughs> which I thought was great. Um, that was an excellent preview, not a preview, of, but an excellent example of what happened throughout the hearings. As for once, I will not be criticizing the Democratic senators. I thought they went in there with a couple of lead pipes and a blowtorch, and they went to work on this guy. And I'm sure you could appreciate that as the author of several torture memos. And uh, they put him in a couple of stress positions, and they asked great question after great question. I wish that they had really bore in on two very critical questions that I would have asked. Nonetheless, they asked many questions I wouldn't have thought to ask. And and they elicited some interesting responses, not just the Democrats, but three and a half Republican senators as well with some excellent points. And then the other Republican senators were awful. Were just a, 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 it's, it's a crime to call them senators. So, but just a quick question before we actually start the hearings. Why wasn't he sworn in? Well, that's like, what I want to get to. Is the, the the interesting thing is that if he if he lied, at least we'll be able to get him for perjury. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, but I, I was asking you before the show. It's like what what's the point of of asking him all these questions if he doesn't have to take any oath? Uh, Jr. We got clips on that. All right. Uh, first, let's hear what happened there, and then we'll explain uh, why it went down the way that went down. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, there has been some question about swearing in the Attorney General. This is Specter. And I discussed that with the Attorney General, who said he would be willing to be sworn. After reflecting on the matter, I think it uh, is uh, unwarranted. Sure, you uh, Because the uh, law provides uh, ample punishment for sure. a false official statement or mm-hmm. a false statement to Congress under the provisions of 18 United States Code 1001. And 18 United States Code, Section 1505. This is the chairman of the committee, Republican Arlen Specter. Exactly. So, I mean. We have two more. Now it gets, hold on, it gets contentious. Now the Democrats jump in and say, well, hey, listen, he was under oath before. Everybody that comes before us uh, generally is under oath. 
Why aren't you going to put him under oath? And it's so important it's to point out, too, I mean, Spectre does not agree with what's happening. Yeah, we're going to get to Spectre's views in a second. Uh, he's uh, The Republicans are different than the Democrats in how they question him. Even the Republicans who are not comfortable with what the administration has done, nonetheless, are very much, and they had some great questions, especially Senator Graham from South Carolina, nonetheless are looking to cover the administration's ass, and this is one of the ways that they're doing it. Here's some of the Democrats objecting. And there were penalties provided there. Sorry, this uh, is Spectre again. Commensurate with, uh, with perjury. And uh, uh, it is my judgment that uh, it is uh, unnecessary to swear the witness. Well, Mr. Chairman, may I ask if the witness has no objection to being sworn, why don't they just do it and not have, not have this question? Pat Leahy from Vermont. I, uh, I realize only the chairman can do the swearing in. I, otherwise, I'd offer to give him the oath myself. And uh, <laughs> in surprise, he said he would going to be sworn in, but I, uh, if he's willing to be, why not just do it? Well, Mr. Chairman, well, Mr. The, Chairman. Answer, the answer to why I'm not going to do it is that I've uh, examined all the facts, and I've examined the law, and I've asked the Attorney General whether uh, he would object or mind, and he said he wouldn't, and I have put that on the record, but the reason I'm not going to swear him in, it's not up to him. Well, let's stop it for Attorney one General Gonzalez. There may be, and I don't know what it is because the administration will never say so. There may be some reason that's not heinous why Alberto Gonzalez doesn't want to be sweared in. Just let's pretend that that's the case. It is 100% not the case, but continue. But the notion that he offered to swear to be sworn in, Inspector decided, Alley, Alley Cat, go, go, man. Don't worry about it. We're good. That is so clearly a bald-faced lie oh, exactly. that you cannot take it under. So, I mean, the reason may be that the, the national security issues that he wants to be able to lie, but that's what I mean. I mean, he wants to be able to deceive, but let's pretend that those reasons are not 100% sinister and somewhat altruistic, like I don't want to get pinned down on some national security issue. But the notion that he's offered and Spectre has just decided – and this wasn't part of a high-level negotiation between the Judiciary Committee Chairman Arlen Specter and the White House is absurd. Of course it was. And Specter agreed to say, yeah, I'll say you wanted to be sworn in. If he wants to be sworn in, sworn in then swear him the fuck in. All right, let's finish that uh, clip up, Jesus. Attorney General Gonzalez is not the chairman. I am. And I'm going to make the rule. I would point Mr. out that he's been here before this committee three times. The other two times right, he was sworn. It seems unusual not to swear him this time. Chairman, I move the witness be sworn. That was uh, the chairman has a rule. If there is an appeal from the ruling of the chair, I have a pretty good idea how it's uh, going to come out. Now, thank God there's an appeals process. Uh, yeah. By the way, <laughs> that's, a, that's comforting. I'm in charge, and I've looked at all the facts. I tell you what, in the Bush administration, let's have it so that when you uh, there's a decision made in court and the judge says, uh, and the lawyers say, you know what, I'd like to appeal. And then the judge says, okay, fine, but I'm going to rule on the field, so can't waste your time. i got a pretty good idea. How's it going to go? Yeah. By the way, uh, Inspector was wrong. He didn't have a good idea how it was going to go. Uh, they did a vote, and there was two Republicans that were not present. And uh, the Inspector said, oh, they vote by proxy. And then Feingold said, really? Can I see their proxy? <laughs> okay. 
And that's where Spectre was totally busted. But the Democrats, out of politeness, just let it go. Well, they were going to lose 10 I mean, that, that's no, it. no, no. They would have had to call the senators back in. They would have lost the vote at the time. That's, that's but they would. I mean, they would have lost ultimately when the, when the senators were back in. Right. So Feingold, though, challenging Specter like that, it's going to make for a very awkward Senate Seder. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, let's get one more clip in here, right, Jesus, on, on the, the back and forth here. So it, it started off on a rocky note there. Democrats kept saying over and over, we thank the chairman for having this uh, meeting in the first place, you know, having this uh, hearing in the first place. But uh, we really wish you would have sworn uh, the witness in. J.R., what's the other clip? Just about? for clarification, this last one is uh, it's Senator Sessions, and it's him, his reasoning why he's, after they voted, reason why he's voting for um, for not to, to follow on on what Specter wants to do. Jeff Sessions from Jeff uh, Sessions, Alabama. one of the one of the more loathsome uh, senators in uh, the Senate, and he proved it today. I'll explain more later, but here's his reasoning on why not to swear in Gonzalez. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairman, um, Sessions, I'm very disappointed that we went through this process. Oh, uh, this Attorney General, in my view, is a man of integrity, <laughs> and uh, having read the questions as you have that Senator Feingold put forward and his answers, I believe he'll have a perfect uh, answer to those questions when they come at this hearing. And I do not believe they're going to show he perjured himself in any way or was inaccurate in what he said. And I remember having a conversation with uh, General Myers and, and uh, Secretary of Defense Rumsfeld and one of the saddest days in their career was having to come in here and stand before a Senate committee and raise their hand as if they are not trustworthy oh. in matters that relating to the defense of this country. You know, and I think it's not necessary the that it's altogether. And no. just really, we should just start working well, off our gut. Wait, hang on. I no. really, I believe in my heart of hearts that this person who is being accused of raping and murdering tons of children. He'll tell the truth. It'll be okay. We don't have to swear them anymore. Well, I, I don't think that's fair, uh, Jill, and I think you're being unfair to Senator Sessions. Oh. We should uh, – it should be Senator Sessions' gut, Good not job. your gut. Oh. Uh, he finds uh, – Besides which, they're going to have perfect answers. How many times do you think Don Rumsfeld has had to go before a, uh, a congressional committee and raise his right hand and testify under oath? I'm – a hundred? Uh, and General Myers, Thirty? And he refers to this as the saddest days in their lives. I would think the saddest days in, in Don Russell's life. I don't know. I don't want to put – look, Jeff Sessions put words in his mouth. I don't want to put words in – maybe the day 12 U.S. troops were killed in Iraq. Uh, maybe the day that there were no roses and said they were uh, roadside bombs. Uh, one of those days uh, where his uh, small mechanized elite army uh, ran into the muck in Iraq and it turned into a catastrophe that's – that's killed nearly 2,500 Americans. Those days, I would think, might be sadder than the day that for the 113th time in his life he had to swear to tell the truth in front of the elected representatives no, 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 of the no. people I of the agree. United States. No, Ben, I think you're dead wrong. I think Senator Sessions is right. The days where they have to swear to tell the truth are the saddest yeah, days those are in Rumsfeld's yeah. and the Pentagon's life. Uh, because, one, uh, they hate the idea of swearing to tell the truth. Number two, they're not going to do it. And so every day that they swear themselves in front of Congress, they perjure themselves. You know, they said these are the same Pentagon, same, uh, uh, you know, the civilian leadership of the Pentagon, who said this war was going to cost $1.7 billion. Now, they just asked for $120 billion for this year alone. So when they raise their hand to say that they're going to uh, say nothing but the truth, of course those are the saddest days of their life. 
And Alberto Gonzalez, when he did that the last time, perjured himself, as Senator Feingold showed again today. So those are, those are the worst days of their life. To have to actually, I, they probably loathe the idea of holding a, touching a Bible while they do it, too, because, and normally they don't have to in these proceedings, but if they had to, uh, because they think, oh, my God, how many times must I have violated this? Yeah, it's, uh, it's remarkable. Obviously, what You swear people in! It is not an offense to them. It does not que question their integrity. That is part of the normal process. The only people who don't want to get sworn in are the people who are actively trying to lie. I don't but see a why... human being this perfect doesn't need to be questioned about his integrity. I don't see why Alberto Gonzalez is due the same preferential treatment as America's giant oil executives. I love how he's like, you know, I asked the Attorney General about the matter as well if he thought the attorney general should be sworn in. And the attorney general said it really, it, he would be happy to, but it, this is okay if, if he didn't. Every day here on The Rachel Matter Show, we like poking a sharp stick at the soft white underbelly of the right-wing scheme machine, giving you a little peek at their political playbook. Here's what's going to happen today when they try to keep Bush from being impeached on the NSA spying thing. The Senate is going to be holding hearings today on the NSA spying on Americans without court orders today. Alberto Gonzalez, the torture guy, is the only government witness. And they're going to trot out this old line that you shouldn't worry about the president breaking the law and illegally spying on Americans. Americans, you shouldn't worry about it because if you're not doing anything bad, you don't have reason to worry about this. If somebody from Al-Qaeda is calling you, we'd like to know why. If someone from Al-Qaeda is calling you, we want to know why. Well, you know what, George? If somebody from Al-Qaeda is calling you, we all want to know why. And that's why if someone from Al-Qaeda is calling you... If somebody from Al-Qaeda is calling you... Then the FISA court will all but throw a warrant at you. To tap that phone. The FISA court doesn't say no. You ask them for a warrant? You say it has anything at all to do with Al-Qaeda? Bingo! Warrant! Legal spying! Good work! That's how it works. But they want to do this stuff without a warrant. They want the excuse of stopping terrorism, this grave threat to our nation. But it's really about this bigger project of expanding the president's power. That's why Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld were involved in the government doing this very same thing. 30 years ago, when there wasn't a 9-11 and there wasn't Al-Qaeda, there's always an excuse, but they want this to be their presidential power. So we had the NSA guy, the National Security Agency guy, on the Sunday shows this weekend, Michael Hayden on Fox, uh, re reminding us that it's all about Al-Qaeda. This is focused on Al-Qaeda. Right? This is all about Al-Qaeda. This is not about innocent Americans. If you're an innocent American, if you're not an Al-Qaeda, don't worry about it. While meanwhile, while he is speaking... Anybody who subscribes to the Washington Post had a front-page article sitting on their kitchen table at the same time that says, Surveillance net yields few suspects. Nothing pertinent to a terrorist threat revealed by this. NSA's hunt for terrorists scrutinizes thousands of Americans, but most are later cleared. If it's only Al-Qaeda, then how is it that they're getting thousands of Americans in this net and no convictions? Hmm? If it's really only Al-Qaeda, then why can't we get warrants to go after those people? Their tactic here is to tell you, and it's the oldest anti-civil liberties tactic in the book. If you are a law-abiding citizen, you have no need for this civil liberty that we are taking away from you. And if you are not a law-abiding citizen, if you are an Al-Qaeda suspect, 
then you don't deserve this civil liberty. And if you're either too good for it or too bad for it, and these benevolent leaders get to decide whether or not we have it, then guess what? They're not our civil liberties anymore. It's 27 after. This is Mother Jones Radio. I'm Angie Claro. I have with me the man responsible for many a grin and a groan in the pages of Mother Jones Magazine. Jack Hitt created the Diddley Awards. A salute in every issue of the magazine to some of the biggest idiocies to come out of congressional mouths in D.C. Jack gathers up outstanding examples of moronic or hysterical political speech, and then he lays them out for our consideration, and then he crowns the king of head-shaking silliness for that particular round. Jack, welcome to Mother Jones Radio. Well, thanks for having me on. He's joining us on the line from New Haven, Connecticut. This is akin to the, the fickle finger of fate that they used to give out on Laugh-In. They would award corporations for, for doing something horrible in terms of pollution or you know assisting terrorism in other countries. So it, it's not exactly the kind of award you want to get. No, that's right. I mean, in the, in, the, in, the, in the past, in the 70s and 80s, occasionally you would get some award where, you know, somebody would acknowledge the, the sort of passing inanity of, of, of something going on in the government. Fulbright used to give his Golden Fleece Award, I believe it was called, which honored some, like, absurd study, like, you know, $50,000 uh, awarded to somebody to go study the nature of love or something. Right, like that. right. Um, and, 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 but, but like I said, those were so occasional that, uh, that you know, they, they showed up on television once a, you know, blue moon or, you know, like I said, Fulbright would issue a press release. But, but now our, our Congress has really become the least significant branch of government. I mean, the Supreme Court decides uh, massive issues of, of, of constitutionality, and, and the president, of course, has become practically imperial in his power. Um, and Congress has miniaturized itself into a kind of like a, a, a tiny little, you know, playground of, of, of people sort of, uh, you know, insulting one another. And there's so much of these sort of petty remarks and dumb act actions that that uh, the editor of Mother Jones and I decided it was time, there was enough of it, really, to 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 bring it up to the level of a full pageant, um, you know, to produce our own academy and, and, and bring out the envelopes at the end of the evening. And these fall into various categories. I mean, some of it is just such obvious posturing, you know, pointing away from oneself, for example. When you're accused of something legitimate, you point to the other guy and say, this person's doing something outrageous. So there's that kind of posturing. And then there are those who just open their mouths wide and stick their feet in up to the ankles, saying something that's so incredibly stupid. Right. Right. But with so much variety going on, every month you do manage to arrange them into, into a given topic. Uh, last month it was, uh, it was the Tom Cruise Award for Most Impressive Media Meltdown. Right. Um, uh, and, and, you know, uh, a, a, another month I gave one for just, you know, uh, what I consider just obscene violations of, of, of the spirit of our Constitution. Um, you know, and, and, and that included everything from, I don't know if you remember, James Sensenbrenner during a hearing just turned off the lights and shut down the microphone. Yes. But I've heard enough of you. And, and, and basically told his staff to just leave everybody in the dark. Literally, this, the witnesses were at the table. Mm -hmm. The Democrats were still sitting. <laughs> and, you know, under constitutional rules, you can't adjourn uh, a hearing until, the, until the, the motion is seconded by the minority party. That's the whole point of parliamentary procedure. Unless you're Sensenbrenner. That's actually unanimous written into the consent, code. Right. That's the unanimous consent rule. Um, but he just, you know, this was... It was kind of scary, actually. I mean, if you see the video of it, it's kind of frightening. Or another case where where Haster sort of forced John uh, Conyers into a basement room in a, in a in a in a closet. It was described often as a large closet to have his hearing in. 
Um, you know, I, I must take you to task, though, because everything we're hearing about is, is on the Republican side of the aisle, and I do have to say, hmm, look at the well, Diddley Awards from last time and this time, and we're all Republicans. Do, do, are you an equal opportunity picker? Well, I, 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 it was easier to be an equal opportunity picker until about 2002. Um, and, and what's happened since then is, uh, of course, you know, every year the Republican majority gets larger and larger. Um, I mean, it was very much, it was much easier in the late 90s, uh, let me just say. Um, the Democrats were uh, as vocal and as foolish as the Republicans, and it was much easier to be even-handed. Um, it's pretty hard now, in, in large part because the Democrats have sort of bailed out of publicly saying anything. I mean, they, they've become a kind of uh, non-party. They right. don't, don't participate in the public debate. Um, whereas Republicans can't wait to rush to a microphone. Um, I mean, the most dangerous place in, a, in America probably is, is standing between any Republican senator and a television camera. But speaking um, of which, you have somebody who wins repeated awards. A, a certain Mr. Tom DeLay shows up an awful lot. Tom DeLay uh, shows up a lot. I mean, Tom DeLay is he, he's, he's, a, he's a gift. He's, he's truly a gift. I mean, he, he's the one who, when he couldn't get the proper table at a restaurant, or couldn't smoke a cigar one time at a restaurant in Washington because it was attached physically to a federal building and therefore you couldn't smoke in it, and he said that violates uh, the, the, the law of the federal government. And he whipped around to the waiter and said, I am the federal government. Oh, that's that deep personal charm of his we've heard so much about. It's, and you know, I'm sure he doesn't even hear the uh, the resonance of that line. Um, perhaps he doesn't even know to what he, to what to what historical comment he's referring there. Um, but uh, but you know, uh, which is you know, of course, King Louis saying, "I am the state," um, uh, and, and and just before, of course, he was beheaded. <laughs> but you know, a lot of these fall into the category of you might as well laugh, or otherwise you'd sit and cry forever. No, you know, I almost don't find them funny. I find them almost universally alarming. Um, and I only put them down on paper, almost without comment. I mean, there's no attempt to, hear, to like, write punchlines, in part because they don't need them. You just, you just say, here's what happened, and hello, there it is. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, the, 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 the case of this guy, uh, Reberg, who's a representative who went to Kazakhstan and, and flamboyantly drank 20 shots of vodka, fell off a horse, got drunk, made fun of the Kazakhstanis, uh, did conehead imitations and made funny beeping alien noises to, to do his impersonation of them. Is that uh, real or is that an episode of South Park? No, it's really, that's actually one of our representatives abroad. Um, he denies it, of course. He, deni- he, he actually denies it by saying he only had three or four shots of vodka, not denying that he fell off a horse and got trampled and broke his ribs um, and, and-, and, and the other foolishness. But... Um, but, you know, these things happen, and you, you read about them in these obscure, you know, locations, because, of course, our papers and, and television uh, stations don't like to make a big deal out of the fact that so many of our representatives are, are, are just fools and scoundrels. And as long as they are, there will always be the Diddley Awards. Jack Hitt, thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. Jack Hitt created and continues to create the Diddley Awards. It's a regular feature in Mother Jones magazine. The second story uh, on today's front page is about politics. Specifically, it's about dead-eyed Dick Cheney. 
<laughs> Actually, you know, just as a side note here, as a radio host, one of the things that is simultaneously fun and very challenging about uh, keeping track of people like, you know, characters like Dick Cheney every single day is that it's hard to come up with the right soundtrack, the right sound effects to cue that we're talking about this guy, which is one of the things you like to do in radio. Like for Bob Nay, you know, there's this one. Nay, get it right. And then for Donald Rumsfeld, we thought about using this one until we, it's kind of sick since Donald Rumsfeld is actually having people tortured for real. Uh, but for Dick Cheney, for a long time, I've used various growl sounds. And then recently, right before Dick Cheney shot Harry Whittington in the face, uh, I switched over to this more nefarious sound. <laughs> but then after the shooting... I thought for a hot minute about possibly using the, uh, the gunshot sound for Dick Cheney, but this hairy guy might die, right? So that seems a little bit stark. So I'm still left with the evil laugh. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, about this sound. Dick Cheney isn't just evil. He isn't some mastermind quietly running everything with cool, evil, calculated efficiency behind the scenes. Dick Cheney is a bumbling idiot. Everything Dick Cheney touches turns to merd, if you pardon my French. He's got two drunk driving arrests. He flunked out of Yale. His excuse for his five deferments during Vietnam was that he had other priorities. When he was a congressman from Wyoming, he voted against a resolution to let Nelson Mandela out of prison. He voted in favor of legalizing guns made of materials that couldn't be detected by metal detectors. His wife writes trashy lesbian pulp fiction. He wore a ski cap and hiking boots to the 60th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz at Auschwitz. While he was the CEO of Halliburton, he had Halliburton buy Dresser Industries, which promptly almost bankrupted Halliburton because of its outstanding asbestos liability claims that anybody who ever read the business pages ever could have seen coming a mile away. And Dick Cheney said that Iraq had ties to al-Qaeda. He said the Iraq war was going to be a cakewalk. His chief of staff is the first White House official indicted since the administration of Ulysses S. Grant. He has all these embarrassing illnesses, including gout, and he might have to get his legs amputated because he has a circulatory system like a cricket. And now he was out in Texas drinking beer and hunting from a car, and he shot an 80-year-old man in the head. Dick Cheney is not Darth Vader. <laughs> We're changing the noise for Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney, from here on out, is Elmer Fudd. Uh... Why does Dick Cheney have a reputation for evil competence? At what exactly has Dick Cheney ever proved to be competent? There's something schooly around here. I think that the new character for Dick Cheney should henceforth be Elmer Fudd. Not only does it get the bumbling incompetence thing right, but it also gets it gets the, the pairing of, of bumbling incompetence on the one hand and meanness. I got you cornered, you spooey wabbit. Plus the penchant for violent pastimes. I'm going to kill the wabbit. All right, so Dick Cheney, Elmer Fudd. That's what I'm sticking with from right now. Just as a side note... Style points here on The Rachel Maddow Show. Dick Cheney, no longer super evil, now more like Elmer Fudd. Kenny in Baltimore, Maryland. You're live with Congressman Bernie Sanders. Hey, Tom. Hey, Kenny. Bernie. Hi, Kenny. Hey, um, I just want to let y'all know um, that we're pushing for an uh, uh, email um, sent to CNN. We're trying to get a million emails sent into CNN. We're trying to push your show, Tom, and we're also trying to push Young Turks' show to try to get it onto uh, CNN to get some balance going. 
Are you concerned, um, Kenny, because CNN just hired uh, right-wing talk show host Glenn Beck and former Congressman J.C. Watts as commentators, and they haven't hired any progressives? Right, and so right now, young persons, they're staying on the air trying to push for the... Uh, yeah, they're doing a filibuster. filibuster. Yeah, yeah, they're doing a filibuster 24 hours. I've been up with them all, all night, and... um. Yeah, I might be on. I might be on this weekend if they're continuing over the weekend. I was just corresponding with them. Yeah, so we're trying to push this thing, and just want every listener to try to just take a minute, go on CNN.com, go to contact, contact them, send an email in them, tell them we want a progressive show to, to balance this thing out. We right. we got to start somewhere. Let me let me really, Kenny, congratulations. That is exactly what we have to do. That's the grassroots effort that we need to tell corporate America that there are two sides to the story and not just a right-wing, corporately-controlled side. So I want to congratulate Kenny for doing that. Well said, Bernie. 27 minutes past the hour at the Tom Hartman radio program, our Brunch with Bernie segment. Congressman Bernie Sanders with us on the True People's Radio. We are going to show you a clip right away now from The Daily Show last night. It's a brilliant piece done by John Stewart and Rob Codry. It's about the Dick Cheney shooting. Uh, let's cue it up for him, Jesus. Let's get to it. I'm joined now by uh, our own vice presidential firearms mishap analyst, Rob Cordry. Rob, thanks for joining us. Thank you, John. Uh, obviously, Rob, uh, just, uh, a very unfortunate situation. How is the vice president handling it? John, tonight the vice president is standing by his decision to shoot Harry Whittington. Now, according to the best intelligence available, there were quail hidden in the brush. Everyone believed at the time there were quail in the brush. And while the quail turned out to be a 78-year-old man, even knowing that today, Mr. Cheney insists he still would have shot Mr. Whittington in the face. John... Come on, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's just brilliant. He believes the world is a better place for his spreading buckshot throughout the entire region of Mr. Whittington's face. Well, Rob, why? Why, if he had known that Mr. Whittington was not a bird, if he had, if he'd had that information, Rob, why would the vice president still have shot him in the face? John. Good question. In a post-9/11 world, the American people, the American people expect their leaders to be decisive. To not have shot his friend in the face would have sent a message to the quail that America is weak. Well, that is, uh, I have to say, it's, to my ears, that is that is horrible that he would still do that. Uh, look, John, the mere fact that we're even talking about how the vice president drives up with his rich friends in cars to shoot farm-raised wingless quail tards is letting the quail know how we're hunting them. Uh, sure, right now, those birds are laughing at us in that little covey of theirs. Well, Rob, I'm, I'm not sure birds can laugh. Well, but... whatever they do, John, coo. They're cooing at us right now. Because here we are, talking openly about our plans to hunt them. Jigs up, John. Quails won. America zero. Happy? On a purely human level, on a human level, is the vice president at least sorry? John, what difference does it make? The bullets are already in the man's face. 
Let's move forward across party lines as a people to get him some sort of mask. <laughs> Hindsight is 2020, John. As was, ironically, the shotgun the vice president used to shoot his friend, a 78-year-old man, in what can only be described as his face. I'm just going to let you guys in on a little secret right now. Um, it would be an a, a physical, emotional, and logistical impossibility for me to make these shows, uh, you know, on a on a daily basis, on a regular basis, uh, keeping up with updated clips and all that that would entail. And so, what I've been doing is I, I'm all of these, you know, this show and the next five shows or so are already pieced together and are all being edited on, you know, probably the same day or the next couple of days. And so if it sounds like, you know, at the, at the end of the show, when I have something to say, um, and, um, and I don't say anything new, it, that's because there's nothing new to say, you know, if it, if it sounds like I'm saying the same thing at the end of every show, it, yeah, it sounds that way to me too. I, I just, no time has passed for me, so I, there's not really any news to report or anything like that. So <clears throat> if you start getting bored of, of hearing me talk at the end of the shows, uh, I, I do too, so... I, I feel your pain. Anyways, visit me, bestoftheleftpodcast.com. Send me emails, hippiesympathizer at gmail.com. Vote and leave comments at podcastalley.com. And put this number in your phone and call me when you've got great clips that you want me to play. It's 561-935-3367. As of the time of this recording... I have still not received any uh, applications for internships. You know, I mean, I posted that show like 10 hours ago. Let's get to it, people. How am I going to keep up with all these clips without some help? Anyways, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you again in about 20 minutes or so, but you won't know it till tomorrow. Have a good one.